Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. In this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the weird glitchiness that's going on with Google's algorithms. Looks like we had another uh, outage or glitch of some sort on August 15th and 16th, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, Really interesting stuff with a new beta that one of our clients got for Google Search Console. There's a new section, Google Search Console Insights. I'm going to talk to you about that. Uh, We've got some stuff about outbound unnatural links manual actions. I think you'll find this interesting. Do you think that an outbound unnatural links manual action will reduce your rankings? I'm going to give you the answer to that in uh, just a minute. And also, if you lost rich snippets after the May core update, we have some information to explain why that may have happened. So uh, again, this is episode number 146 of Newsletter, published on August 19th of 2020. And you can find the print version, which is similar to what I'm talking about now, but has way more information uh, than I'm sharing here at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. So let's talk about the algorithm turbulence. It's always tricky to know whether Google has done a big update or not. Um, We talked in great detail last week about August 10th. And August 10th, uh, there was some weird glitch that caused, for just a couple of hours, it caused a lot of low-quality websites to suddenly rank well. People were complaining that the SERPs were filled with spam. Um, And uh, a lot of people lost rankings at that time because uh, your rankings were taken from you by very spammy sites. Uh, And then Google came out and told us, well, we had a bit of a glitch, and Gary Ish told us that there were many components to Google's ranking systems where, you know, they've got to gather the data, they have to render pages, they have to look at link signals, they have to apply all of these quality uh, things. He didn't say that, that's me (laughs) saying that, but they have to, he did say they have to look at signals, apply certain things to pages, and then eventually they come out with what they believe are the most relevant and useful results for people. And at some point on August 10th, that system broke. And what our uh, theory is, which is not proven, and uh, I don't think it's widely accepted either, but here it is in case you want to hear it, is um, that uh, whatever pages you saw that saw improvements on August 10th, those are pages that potentially have quality issues. I really believe that something broke in the system that helps to weed out pages that um, perhaps uh, would rank if not, uh, if, if, if Google didn't lay those filters or whatever it is that they do if Google did not filter the results in some way. So if you saw pages that saw improvements on August 10th, uh, then you really should be paying attention to those. And what we have been doing is looking at our clients' pages and saying, based on what we know is valued as quality, either from Google blog posts, from things Google employees have said, or uh, more importantly, from Google documentation, like the quality raters guidelines and their blog post on core updates. Based on what we think and what we've read Google says uh, they determine is high quality, you assess the pages that saw changes on August 10th. And what we found is that a lot of our clients that saw improvements on certain pages, some of the pages that improved were ones that we had flagged as contradicting scientific consensus, um, which is an issue that's laid out in Google's quality raters guidelines as a sign of something that maybe should allow cause us to not trust websites just as much. 
Um, now, that was August 10th, and then something very similar happened August 15th and 16th, so just a few days before I'm recording this podcast. Um, I'll tell you that we don't know what happened on August 15th and 16th, and I think it's different than what happened August 10th. So, um, you know, I was all excited initially when I saw, oh, another glitch, because maybe we can get more information about the process that, that Google uses to determine when, oh, this page is too low quality to show in our, our search results. The thing is, though... Um, I did not see a lot of chatter of people saying that uh, their search results were replaced with spam, that spammy sites were ranking high. It seems to be completely random. We've looked at a great number of sites uh, looking at which pages improved or declined with uh, this August 15th and 16th outage or whatever it was. And uh, we, I can't say that it's the same as August 10th, whereas on August 10th, it really seemed like a lot of low quality pages started to rank. And August 15th and 16th, it seems very, very random. So we're not going to do extensive uh, look into this anymore unless more comes out that, you know, tells us that we need to pay attention to this. But I wanted to bring it to your attention that because if you're looking at your traffic and you're seeing that something went kind of fluky and you saw way more traffic or way less traffic um, in a, in most sites, it seems to be like, a 24-hour period somewhere between August 15th and 16th. If you're seeing this, uh, you know, you were affected by whatever it was that Google changed. Uh, but it seems that in most cases, everything has reverted back to normal. So, you know, I just said a whole bunch of nothing a whole bunch of words to basically say we don't know what's happening. Um, and so at this point, we're going to keep an eye on things. Uh, I do still think that the August 10th glitch is something that we should be paying more attention to. We're going to dig into that a little bit more for some of our clients and just see if we can determine um, whether uh, there are certain pages that we can modify and whether we can maybe win rankings for those pages that uh, now we've removed whatever low-quality features were there. Uh, maybe they'll start to rank again with a future core update. So that's our hope. Um, speaking of updates, I think this is a good point to uh, put in some information about our sponsor. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago that we have a sponsor now, that SEMrush is sponsoring the newsletter and each week that I do podcast, I'm just going to share a little bit of how we use SEMrush to help us uh, better Im do better work as SEOs. One of the things that we made good use of this week was the SEMrush sensor. I'm sure you're probably aware of this. It's very similar to um, MozCast, uh, which is Moz's version of determining, oh, there's some turbulence in the algorithm right now. And uh, SEMrush does an excellent job at uh, figuring out, hey, something is happening right now with Google. I'll tell you from my experience, um, whenever I think there is an algorithm update, uh, that's one of the first places that I will look. Now, SEMrush sensor isn't always 100% correct. There are other things that can cause um, your search results to see turbulence uh, other than a Google algorithm update. You know, sometimes uh, there can be things like new, uh, maybe Google decided to add featured snippets to certain SERPs or, um, you know, there can be other things that can cause some turbulence, but it can be very 
helpful to know whether there's turbulence going on. So let's say you've noticed that the phone stopped ringing and your traffic from search engines is down dramatically and you're trying to figure out is something wrong with my website or was there maybe a Google update? Well, you can wait for uh, people like myself to do the analysis or you can go to SEMrush Sensor and usually you'll see uh, this upward tick on their diagram that shows that, oh yeah, yeah, there's been a lot of turbulence in the search results uh, this week. So this week when I was trying to figure out did something happen on August 15th and 16th, I went to the SEMrush Sensor and sure enough we can see that there was way more turbulence, there was way more movement in the search results than we expect to see on a certain day. Um, one of the things that I think is really, really cool with SEMrush is uh, that you can set up SEMrush Sensor for your own personal sites or your clients, your your, uh, your customers' sites, basically. Uh, and so what you can do is set up keyword tracking. And what the sensor will tell you is whether there's been turbulence for just those keywords. And uh, I've shared a screenshot in the print version of, uh, or the online version of newsletter here, showing that for one of our clients, we monitored their most important keywords. And SEMrush sensor told us that those keywords on August uh, 16th and 17th, um, interesting that it's a day after uh, we noticed the turbulence on Google's side. Um, that those keywords saw significant changes in rankings. And then what you can do is actually click through to see those positions. You can see which keywords changed in rankings. You can see uh, which competitors maybe jumped up to gain those rankings from you. And one of the things that I find the most helpful is you can actually see screenshots of what the SERPs look like. So in a, a very good example would be um, a situation where maybe a client of ours has said, look, we used to be ranking number one for this main keyword and it was bringing in this much business every day and now all of a sudden we're not getting that business and we'll look at the um, the, the screenshot from the SERPs on SEMrush and we'll see ah well you used to rank number one organically and you still do rank number one organically, but we can see on the screenshots that now Google has placed maybe a carousel above you or a people also ask above you or some type of SERP feature that makes it so that even though you're ranking number one organically, there's something else above you, which is gonna impact uh, the clicks going to your website. So I really, really like those screenshots. Um, the screenshots are something that you do need to be a paid uh, customer of SEMrush to use that. And as we've been mentioning for the last, uh, couple of weeks, SEMrush and uh, MHC have partnered. So if you go to mariehaines.com slash SEMrush, you'll get a, uh, a promo for a one week, I think it's two weeks free trial. Um, and so this free trial also has a bunch of competitor um, information, which is something that they don't usually give out with the free trials. So uh, we're really happy to be able to offer that to you. Again, mariehaines.com slash SEMrush, and you can check that out for your own sites. Um, moving on, uh, Chrome is now going to be labeling pages as whether they load fast or not. Uh, this is going to be in the Chrome 85 beta. And from what I can see, uh, it's something that if you are on your phone and you're using Chrome, you can long press on a link that you're about to open. And uh, Chrome will tell you whether or not it's a fast page. I don't know how many users will actually do this, but I think the importance is that uh, if Google wants to rank pages that um, load quickly, then uh, you really want to get this label. So you're probably wondering, how do I get this label? And what Google has told us is that these are taken from the core web vitals. 
Um, uh, let's see here. Links to pages that, this is what they say, links to pages that have historically met or exceeded all metrics thresholds for the core web vitals will be displayed with a new fast page label. So uh, I know a lot of you have been paying attention to the core web vitals. They're something that Google gave us in Google Search Console a couple of months ago, and they've told us that at some point next year, they're going to be a ranking factor. You really need to be paying attention to these uh, because they're very, very important. So um, again, coming up soon, Chrome's actually going to be labeling websites as fast or not. Um, you may have noticed that Google Search Console has a new feature. It's actually only in beta right now. We have just one of our clients that was uh, put on the beta, but that was enough for us to take a look and see uh, what this is. And it's Search Console Insights. Now, I've seen some SEOs saying, well, it's nothing earth shattering. I mean, it's uh, uh, it's all information that you could put together in a data studio report, or, you know, you can get stuff from Google analytics. It actually combines search console and analytics to give you some metrics, uh, like which content is performing best. Um, you know, how are people discovering your content? And initially when I looked at it, I really thought, well, okay, this is nice. This is another one of those reports that we'll get every month for every single site and it'll clog up our email and we'll never open them up. Uh, but then I started looking at this and I really like the part that talks about referral traffic. The, there's a section that tells you, uh, who's linking to you and, um, the really interesting thing, because that's not new in Search Console, but the interesting thing is it tells you which of your content has been linked to uh, and newly linked to as well. And also uh, how many people came to your website as a result of clicking on that link and how much time was spent by those people who clicked on the link. Now, to me, that is earth shattering. That's, that's something very, very important. I just realized earth shattering is a really awful... Uh, uh, metaphor to use. <laughs> I don't want the earth to shatter. 2020 has been just bad enough as it is. It, it's important though, right? Because, and you might be going, well, why is this important? Um, you know, I don't care who clicks on what link. There's a patent that uh, Bill, Bill Swalski wrote. <laughs> I'm laughing here. I have realized that for years I said Bill, Bill's name wrong and I just did it again. I reached out to Bill and apologized to him. It's Bill Slosky. Uh, and I, for years I've been saying Bill Swalski. If I say your name wrong on podcast, please do reach out to me because I don't want to do that. Uh, I've had enough people call me Mary over the years or Mario. Mario is a good one. So my apologies to Bill. Uh, Bill writes about patents. And a couple of years ago, he wrote this uh, article about something called the Groundhog Day update. And uh, in it was some really information, uh, interesting information about a patent uh, where Google actually can measure um, whether particular links are clicked on and whether there was a significant amount of traffic that came uh, from that li link and how long people dwelled on a website after clicking on that link. That's really interesting, right? And so the, the patent was talking about using this for spam purposes, that if um, a particular page had loads of links pointing to it, uh, but nobody was ever clicking on those links, that maybe that could be a spam signal. Uh, but here's what I think is interesting is, um, so for our one client that actually received the beta, we could see, ah, this one particular piece of content um, was linked to from this other website. Uh, and it should be noted too, people are asking me, was this uh, 
was this a content creation website? The website that got this was actually an e-commerce website that also has articles, informational articles on it. Um, you know, I, w I wouldn't have listed them as an informational content producing website. It was more, uh, they have products and then they write some articles to sort of help people who are interested in buying their products. Uh, and what we could see is, all right, so this one particular link from a, a partner or a, a website that's linking to them sent this many people and the people spent this much time reading the content. And then they show us other links. Oh, you got a link from this website and it shows this many people spent this much time. So if you are link building, this is something you can pay attention to. You want links that people click on. It might sound facetious, but I actually think that's a part of Google's algorithms. I can't prove that. But if you were going to measure, I mean, we know links are so important to Google's algorithms, right? They've tried in the past doing an algorithm without links and it didn't work well. Matt Katz told us that years ago. Um, but so links matter and why links matter is because links are recommendations. So when we put something in newsletter and we say, hey, we read this great article and you should go read it and here's a link, we're recommending that article. We're not putting it in there because somebody paid us to do it or you know because we're friends with somebody. We put it in because it's a recommendation. And that's the type of link that Google wants to count. Well, I think it makes sense that if Google's trying to count recommendations, it makes sense to look at did people actually click on that link? And if they did, did they actually spend time dwelling on your website? Was that link useful? Was that recommendation useful? Who knows? Maybe I'm just thinking this as I'm, as I'm saying it, maybe Google can determine whether links that come from a website are useful. For example, you know, if uh, we've got a bunch of links in newsletter, people click on those links and they read the articles. It's possible that Google says, hey, Whenever we see links on mariehaines.com, people tend to find those links valuable. So maybe we should find those links valuable. It's possible, I don't know. Um, but I think that it's important to pay attention to this part of the uh, insights when it comes out of beta. I'm sure all of us will have it eventually. And uh, look at what links, so if you've recently built links or you've paid for somebody to cultivate some links for you, uh, and you're wondering whether they're helpful or not, then this part of the report can tell you. If, if those links are never sending you visitors, then I think there's potential for them to do more harm than good. We've talked about that in the past and whether uh, having unnatural links could actually suppress your site algorithmically. And we really believe that if there are enough of them, then yes, that is something that could happen. So um, now all of this is information you could grab from Google Analytics. So if you want to take a look at this stuff, uh, although I'm not sure if the dwell time would be, well, I guess you could figure that out. You could do enough work to, to figure that out. Um, but if you're involved in link building, this is something where uh, I really would want to pay attention to this. You want to make it so that the links that are bringing people to your website um, actually do bring people. They're not just there for the sake of having a link and that uh, they bring people that actually want to engage with your website as well. Information on scroll the text fragments. If you remember, we talked a while back about uh, if I click on uh, a featured snippet and I end up on the website uh, that, that, that held that featured snippet, 
in many cases now, Google is highlighting the text that was in that featured snippet, and it'll scroll right to that part of the page, which is good or bad. I mean, it's nice to be able to be there as uh, if Google's determined that you have the answer that's the most relevant to people, that's fantastic. Uh, but also, if scrolling down to that answer means they don't get to see your calls to action, they don't get to see your EAT-related information to say why you're the most qualified to write on this topic, uh, it might be a negative, but there's nothing we can do about it, so there's no point arguing about it, right? Um, so scroll the text is happening. Scroll the text fragments are now appearing in Google Search Console. Um, scroll to text fragments are an example would be if you click on a featured snippet and now what Chrome is doing is um, immediately scrolling to where that text is on the page. And it does so by creating a new URL that has the squiggly thing, which I've now heard is called a tilde in the uh, tilde. I don't know how you say it. See, I can't talk at all. Uh, but this little squiggly thing is in the URLs and those now are appearing in Search Console. I saw this for uh, one of our clients that we were doing some research into uh, the August 15th kind of turbulence. And um, we saw that there were a bunch of pages that not only were the pages in Search Console, but also URLs that contain the scroll to text fragment as well. So if you're seeing that in Search Console, that's what's happening with this. Um, Gary Ish told us some stuff this week about machine translated content and Google does not like that. I think that's probably not news to most of you, but if you're using machines to translate your content, so basically I, I have seen websites that do this, that, you know, they'll write this fantastic, um, website where the entire website perhaps is in German and then, uh, they want to also publish this website as an English version. And so they'll run everything through Google translate and publish that as an English version. Well, if you've ever used Google Translate, um, even though it's pretty darn amazing and it has improved a lot over the last few years, it's not 100%. And a lot of the time when you read the content, it's like, what this a human being would not talk this way um so google does not like machine translated content now gary uh tweeted again to say there's one caveat that if you have curated human reviewed machine translated content that's okay so uh if you are paying for a service where you have your content automatically translated it's very very important that you have somebody reading that content um somebody who speaks that language naturally and um, making sure that it's uh, high quality content. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, Google's algorithms probably won't want to rank those pages at all. Let's talk about disavow files. Th this topic came up again and it's come up so many times, but I'm just gonna briefly mention it because uh, I think a lot of people still really believe that if you file a disavow file, you're basically sending a bat signal to the Google web spam team to say, whoa, we've got a spammer over here. Um, and that's not the case. There are lots of reasons to file a disavow file. Um, you know, if you, let's say your website was hacked and you file a, a disavow uh, because you've got these really strange adult links pointing to you, that doesn't mean that your website is lower quality. I mean, assuming you've cleaned up the hack. Um, and so what John Mueller said uh, when somebody asked him uh, about this, he says, that's not correct. Uh, that being, uh, can filing a disavow be a negative against your own site? Um, you can use a disavow file, he says, for different reasons. And regardless, cleaning things up should never be considered a bad thing. The other thing that comes up a lot is if I file a disavow and I put your website in the disavow, 
could that hurt your website? And I know a lot of people would say, well, yeah, because you're, if enough people say, look, I want to disavow links from example.com, then there's a good chance that maybe example.com is a low quality site. The thing is though, that there's too much noise for Google to call this a signal. And they have very clearly told us in the past that they don't do this. Um, and I'll tell you one good reason to, to say that this doesn't happen is uh, years ago, there was a tool that would allow you to upload your uh, disavow and it would format it properly so that you could uh, upload it into uh, Google search console. And, um, and, and one of the side effects, one of the benefits of this tool was that uh, they were gathering a list of which sites were disavowed the most. And one of the sites that was disavowed the most was Google.com. Uh, so, you know, does that mean that Google's a bad website? You can see why they probably wouldn't use that as a signal. Uh, so don't be afraid to file a disavow, provided that you know what you're doing in terms of disavowing links. Um, it is possible for a disavow to hurt your site, but you have to really work hard <laughs> for that to happen. The, the cases where I've seen that happen are sites that used some arbitrary metric. I've talked about this before, but I had a client who used a, a tool that um, recommended disavow for anything with a toolbar page rank of less than two or something like that. Uh, but it turns out that every site currently has a toolbar page rank of zero <laughs> because we don't have toolbar page rank anymore. And so they disavowed all of the links to their site and that really hurt. And they actually didn't recover from that. It was a very interesting case. Uh, but still, for the most part, you can't hurt yourself by uh, proper use of the disavow tool. Um, let's talk about outbound unnatural links manual actions. Uh, we've had a number of clients reach out to us this week or potential clients reach out to us saying that they received one of these. I don't know if Google is stepping up their actions or whether it's just coincidence, but uh, it's possible that Google's giving out more outbound unnatural links penalties. Um, now, the one that we're more common with is inbound that we're, we have more experience with is uh, when you get an inbound unnatural links penalty. That's when you've been building links to your website in an effort to make your website rank better. And outbound, just like it sounds, is when you're selling links or you're providing links to other people to help boost their rankings um, in a way that's done at scale. So the sites that are contacting us generally have the same type of situation. Uh, the ones that have received these outbound unnatural links manual actions, um, they're mostly websites that accept guest posts. And they'll have a page on the website that says, you can submit a guest post on these topics and we'll provide you with two links to your website. Um, and it's very clear that they're offering guest posting so that other people can build links to their site. And we know that Google doesn't want to count those links. It's not like the website that publishes the guest post is truly recommending the content that is linked to from those guest posts, right? You can see that uh, Google would want to ignore those. So in some situations, uh, Google will slap a manual action on sites that are uh, outbound linking in unnatural ways. I find this really interesting because Google's told us that they're really good at ignoring links. And so this sort of tells me like, oh, Google wants to count the links that are coming from your website, but they're seeing too many instances where it looks like uh, these are there just for SEO reasons. 
So um, here, the question, though, was if you get one of these manual actions, does it actually suppress your ability to rank? Does, it, does an outbound unnatural links penalty make it so that your rankings are reduced? And in a lot of cases, people come to us, they say, hey, we got this manual action, and within a couple of days, all of our rankings disappeared. But yet Google will say, well, an outbound unnatural links manual action should not affect your rankings. So what's happening here? And in a, a recent Google Help Hangout, John Mueller actually told us what the situation is here. Um, I'm going to read his quotes. Uh, let's see here. One thing I've sometimes seen, I suspect is not the case in your situation, is that when a site has a lot of unnatural outbound links, then sometimes it's part of a bigger network where it's like everyone has all these unnatural outbound links and a lot of support that we to that website was due to the unnatural outbound links. And if the web spam team takes a look at that network and kind of neutralizes the whole network, then of course those sites will lose that support. So that's where you might see a drop in visibility. So if you received an unnatural outbound link manual action, um, it's possible that there, you're part of a network uh, where some of those sites that you were linking out to are also linking back to you in ways that are unnatural. But the manual action itself should not cause a drop in rankings. So um, not much you can do about that. I mean, removing these manual actions tends to be fairly easy. Uh, you simply need to no follow or add rel equals sponsored or rel equals UGC uh, to all of the links that were there for SEO reasons, all of the outbound ones. Um, I, a lot of people want to do a blanket, like let's no follow every link going leaving our site, and that's not a good idea. Uh, Glenn Gabe posted something uh, this week on Twitter about BuzzFeed apparently has no followed all of their internal links. I'm wondering if perhaps they, I, I'm, I'm totally guessing here, but if they had some sort of a manual action and uh, this was an attempt to say, look, we're, we're no longer linking out unnaturally uh, because we've no followed everything. Not the best recommendation to do that. Let's move on here. The likely culprit if you've lost rich snippets after the May core update. We had a number of sites. This happens after most core updates that people will reach out to us and say, we used to have review stars and now we don't. Um, if you have schema that you've, um, you know, you've, you've marked up your pages with schema and, um, and they're appearing in the search results. So you have review stars, you have FAQs, you have something that's showing in the search results. And then a core update happens and you no longer have those. Then that can be a sign that Google uh, has is treating your website as lower quality now. Uh, and that's something that John Mueller has confirmed. This was in a, in a help hangout. Something that Glenn Gabe told us though is that um, you can actually check this whether you've lost your rich snippets because of quality issues simply by doing a site colon search. Now, I have not tried this. I'm going to try it out next time we, uh, we have this situation come up. Um, but apparently, if you do a site colon search for your own site for a page that normally would uh, return rich results, you should see the rich results, so the, the stars and the SERPs or the FAQs. You should see those appearing um, if you've done a site colon search. Uh, but if you um, take the site colon away and you just do a regular search and those are not appearing, it could be that Google's filters uh, that determine which sites are high enough quality to show the snippets has determined that your site doesn't meet the doesn't doesn't meet the the bar basically. Um, so that was kind of interesting. We're going to try that out next time we have that situation come up. I also wanted to mention, uh, speaking of Glenn. 
I um, mentioned last week about CLS, one of the core web vitals, the cumulative layout shift, uh, that there was information that said that um, what Google is looking at here is the entire life cycle of the page. And that confused me because I was like, well, what if the page was slow four months ago and now you've done work and it's faster? Does that low speed hurt you from four months ago? I, I was misunderstanding that and Glenn reached out to tell me about that. Um, that uh, the lifetime of the page is that page load. Uh, so in, in his words, if you load a page, scroll down, read, scroll back up, etc., CLS is calculated for the entire time. Um, so that's, that's what was meant there. So my apologies if I confused anybody last week uh, with that information. Let's move on to local SEO. Uh, there was a little bit of turbulence in local rankings, but nothing too crazy. So I don't think we'll be talking about any big algorithm updates uh, at this time. Um, something that we noticed somebody talking about was apparently some Google My Business uh, listings are missing the website link. So if you uh, do a search that would uh, surface your GMB profile, you'll know that most have a link that says click here to go to the website, and this is missing. So I, I have not seen great chatter about this, but I thought it was worth mentioning that if, uh, if you've seen a drop in traffic in Google My Business traffic, it may be that... Uh, uh, I think this is probably a glitch on Google's side, uh, a bug. Um, apparently, Google's looking into it. So uh, if you're missing the website label, it's something that's probably worth mentioning, maybe tweeting at uh, Google Search Liaison so they have more examples. Um, but yeah, it seems like some sites are seeing some sort of a bug in that area. Um, in terms of local news, I'm, I'm not going to talk about this in podcast because we're running out of time here, but we've got some really great stuff from Greg Gifford in newsletter about how to appropriately reply to negative reviews. I read this and I was like, you know what, this is really good stuff uh, that we're going to start using or recommending for some of our clients should you get bad reviews. He talks about how to reply uh, if people left a review because of something related to COVID or, um, you know, if somebody left a review because they used to be an employee of yours and, and how to word it in a way that uh, you're basically writing for other people who are potential customers who are reading these reviews. It's very, very good what he's, uh, he's recommended. Let's move on to Q&A now. Every week we try to do a Q&A where uh, you guys can ask me questions and I'll give you my thoughts on how we would handle a situation in terms of SEO. You can ask a question by tweeting at the MHC underscore Inc. Twitter account or in any episode of newsletter at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. There's a link to a Google form where you can submit your question. Uh, this question, Marie and team. Hi, Marie and team. Keep up the good work. We really look forward to your show every week. Thank you so much. I, I've, it still blows my mind that people listen regularly to me just talk about SEO. So uh, thank you for that. Here's the question. Our site has 900 posts. The top 500 by traffic are responsible for 80, 84% of the backlinks and 97% of page views to the site, which is fairly common, right? I'll just uh, interject here and say, um, you know, uh, most websites, you're not going to have traffic on every single page of your website every single day. And you're not going to have links to every single page of your website either. So they go on to say many older posts have not been updated in some time and might be considered short at 300 to 400 words in length. 
Our site's rankings have declined recently, and we think that some of our lower quality content might be dragging us down. How would you go about evaluating the low-performing posts and deciding whether to improve, consolidate, or remove them altogether? So this is something that we see very commonly. We see websites, it's part of our site review when we're looking at uh, websites and trying to figure out where are all the areas we could improve on quality, we look at thin content. We look at whether uh, websites have all sorts of pages that um, you know really could be seen as low quality by Google. I think one of the things that needs to be addressed first as we uh, talk about this question is whether having a, a large number of pages that are you know just short articles that maybe weren't the best of their kind, whether that actually can be hurting your site. There's one school of thought in SEO that says, look, Google will just recognize that these are low quality and those particular articles won't tend to rank for things. Um, and, uh, and that's okay. And maybe it won't hurt the rest of your website. There's a lot of SEOs that think that way. And then there's another school of thought that says, well, if Google's algorithms can see that a vast per percentage of our site, a big percentage of our site contains content uh, that's not useful to anybody, then maybe that impacts the overall assessment of quality for our site. And I'm, uh, I can see both sides, but I, I lean more towards the latter. Um, we have seen cases where we've helped clients clean up very large amounts of thin content, and with future core updates, they've seen very nice improvements. Now, this is... It's hard to prove though, because it's rare that we take a client and all that we do is fix the thin content issues. Uh, you know, we've usually got a list of many, many things that we're working on. And uh, if we had the luxury of time, it would be fantastic to say, all right, let's clean up the thin content, wait for the next core update, see what happened. And then we'll start working on link quality. And then we'll start working on these technical issues. And, you know, if you waited to do things one thing at a time, it would take forever to get your website to the highest quality possible. And in most cases, you just want to reach that you know, that level of high quality as fast as you can. Um, and so, so we tend to do things uh, in batches, just like a lot of SEOs do. Um, so we have seen cases where we feel like this has worked. Uh, one thing that I always refer to is a couple of years ago at MozCon, Brittany Muller talked about an experiment that Moz did where they removed um, thin profiles. So Moz has a uh, forum, a Q&A forum that has thousands and thousands of pages in Google's index. And many of those pages are profile pages. So, you know, you can look up me on Moz and you can find my profile page and it's actually like kind of helpful. I haven't looked at it recently, but you can see like, here's the comments that I've made on Moz and here's the articles that I've written and here's how you contact me, uh, things like that. Like those are, those are important on that profile page. But the vast majority of Moz's profile pages, they realized were not important. You know, there are people who uh, nobody's ever going to want to land on this random person's page uh, that nobody's ever heard of and nobody ever wants to click through. And I don't really care what comments they've left on the site. And they had thousands and thousands of pages. I can't remember the exact numbers. So what Moz did, did was they no-indexed uh, and they set some metrics and they know indexed uh, a large number of these pages. 
and they did see nice improvements. I don't have the numbers in front of me. It would be very easy to find this. Just search for Brittany Muller, Moz, um, no indexing, thin content. I'm sure you'll find it. And, uh, and the interesting thing here is not only did they see improvements, but what I find interesting is that that's all they did. They were not working on multiple SEO improvements at the time. This was just the one thing. Um, and so, uh, so we do believe that um, if there's enough content on your website that really is low quality, then trimming that out can cause Google to like the rest of your website better. Uh, it's hard to prove that though, again. So the question though is, could this happen for you? And it's possible. It's, it's pretty much impossible for me to say that without actually looking at what this content is. Because uh, you say, well, there are articles that are 300 to 400 words in length, and that might be a sign of low quality, but it might be okay. You know, uh, Search Engine Roundtable has lots of articles that are under 400 words in length that I've found very useful, and they, they help me to find things. And so um, word length is really tricky to work at, to look at when we're trying to figure out what content to trim out. So when we trim out thin content for, um, for clients, there's a few things that we do. In some cases, what we'll do is we'll sort uh, every page on the site based on page views, and we might look at maybe the last year or so, and we'll say, all right, over the last year, show me, uh, well, I mean, we just export this from Google Analytics, but uh, let's look at pages uh, that have had a certain number of page views. And then we'll just uh, kind of, not randomly, but we'll, we'll make an educated guess as to where we should set our cutoff. Um, so let's say that, <clears throat> you know, 50% of the pages on the site are seeing, uh, saw 500 views or more in, in the year. We might say, all right, let's take a look at everything that has lower than 500 views. And then what we'll do is we'll cross-reference that with data that we export from Ahrefs. And we'll look at uh, individual pages and whether uh, links, uh, th these pages have links pointing to them. And so in some cases, we'll say, look, if a page has fewer than 500 visitors and doesn't have any links pointing to it, then that's a good candidate for a page to, to trim out. Um, in cases with websites with vast amounts of thin content, that could be enough to do a little bit of a cleanup. There's risk though, because you, I mean, you still could have good content that didn't actually get links and actually was helpful to people um, that you, you wouldn't want to trim out. But, uh, but for the most part, those metrics will help you. And obviously that number 500 is going to be different for your site. We've had some sites where we say, look, any page that has less than 10 views uh, in the last year, we're going to consider thin, uh, or in the list to consider thin. Now for a site, your size, uh, you said you had, uh, 900 articles. I think it's possible for you to manually review those articles. I know it sounds like quite a chore to do that, but what I would probably do is make a list based again on page views and links, and then start looking at what I think would be the lower quality, uh, pages. So ones that had, um, less page views and didn't have links pointing to them. And then I would actually manually review these pages. And I would go one by one and look through these pages and say like, is this something that's relevant? Or is this something that was relevant a few years ago, but maybe we should add this to a more recent article that we have. 
um, you know, and, and finding, uh, using your brain as opposed to just flat metrics to say whether content should be cleaned up. Now for one of our clients, we did use Screaming Frog uh, to, you can crawl all of the pages on your site and determine uh, the word count of those pages. That might be an issue that you would look at. Like if we had a client that had I don't know, a bunch of image pages that had very few words on the page ranking, we could use Screaming Frog to find those and, and no index those. Um, but word count, I'd be really careful in, uh, in simply uh, getting rid of content just because it has a low word count. Um, something that we did do though, and this is, a, this is a good tip, we did this for one of our clients. One of our clients had um, thousands and thousands of articles written by a multiple, n multiple number of different authors. And what we wanted to determine was which authors seemed to get the best response, uh, seemed to be the most helpful to this website. And so we did, uh, we used Screaming Frog and we used custom extraction to pull out the uh, social shares on each of their pages. And then we could very easily make a spreadsheet that says, ah, well, this author, um, her posts have received, you know, this many social shares, so Facebook likes and Reddit and, and whatever. Uh, whereas this particular author rarely gets shared. And so we might decide that um, maybe we need to feature the first author more prominently. Uh, those are all very, I'm, I'm really generalizing though, because I don't think there's a cookie cutter approach to this. The other thing which I didn't mention is as you are trimming out content, pay attention to internal links. Um, you know, you, you don't want to just, if you, if you no index a page, then eventually Google stops crawling that page and those links that are pointing to other parts of your site will not be seen by Google. Uh, so you need to be careful about that as well. Um, so I, I don't know if that's helpful or if that's just added more confusion as well. It's really tricky cleaning up thin content, uh, but it can be rewarding. Now, the one thing I would like to mention, uh, because you did say your site's rankings have declined recently and you think it's because the lower quality content is dragging you down. Um, in most I, I can't remember a recent case where we felt that the only problem a site had was thin content. Um, I can think of one case, the one I was just talking about where we went through author pages where it was a big component and it was one of the main things that we recommended changing. But uh, when sites see traffic drops, it's rarely just because of thin content, in my opinion. So, um, you know, I've, I've spoken a lot about how to find quality issues on your site. I'd really look at the quality raters guidelines um, and, uh, and, you know, consider having a, a third party look at your website as well. Um, even just user testing to uh, focus groups is a, is a great way, uh, to have actual users, uh, tell you whether your content is as helpful as your competitors can be incredibly helpful as well. So hopefully that's, uh, helpful information. I know, uh, there can be some big wins in, tr in trimming out thin content, but you have to be really careful in um, knowing which content to, to trim out as well. Uh, I think we're going to end it there. Uh, that was a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we have a big update coming soon. I mean, whatever Google's doing, they're obviously either testing stuff that's breaking things. They're, they're maybe trying to do something new. So uh, I'm really re getting ready for a big update, but uh, I could be wrong on that. 
Um, I, on a business note, uh, because I know some of you listening to this are business owners or freelance uh, SEOs, we've been really noticing an uptick in uh, leads lately. And I, I want to say this not to brag about MHC, but to say that uh, I feel like the economy is sort of recovering that um, businesses are kind of getting over the shock of, oh my gosh, what just happened over the last few months. And even though COVID is still very, very uh, serious in the world, I think a lot of businesses are recognizing that, yes, we're going to survive. We're going to uh, have budget to put into improving our websites. And uh, that's really encouraging to me. So I'm hoping that you guys as well have um, an increase in people who are asking for, for help for your services. Uh, so I think I'm going to take off after this. I'm probably going to take the rest of the afternoon off. Podcast days are always brutal for me. There's so much to uh, uh, to learn and to pass on. But me doing this every week forces me to stay up to date with what Google's doing. I'll tell you my task for today. I'm, I'm really focused on hair. I know that sounds weird. I used a YouTube video and I cut my own hair. <laughs> And it actually turned out okay. I don't know. My husband likes it. David says it's great. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm going to focus on figuring out how to make it even better this afternoon, which is not the normal way for me to spend my afternoon. Uh, I thought I'd share that with you because I just think it's funny. I never would have considered cutting my own hair before COVID, but I'm still not uh, feeling safe about going to um, uh, the hairdresser. As much as I love my hairdresser, she's going to be so mad at me. Uh, oh, well. Anyways, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and uh, we'll have more for you next week. And uh, thank you so much for listening. I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. Mm-hmm.